0: Oh, the jungle VIP I've reached the top and had to stop And that's what's bothering me I wanna be a man, man We
1: hate ties right It's like kissing our brothers and Hello and welcome. You're listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox.
2: And I'm Kyle Skinner.
1: And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Pod, or send us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. All right, Kyle, lucky episode 13. We're back. We got a new bracket. How you feeling?
2: Feeling good. I think that the last one really shocked everyone. Um, all the feedback that I got from people listening were either excited that frozen one or very upset that frozen one. And so we are uh, taking a step back from some of the bigger topics here and we're really pigeonholing this one because it's it's part of some of the greatest uh, sports movies of all time.
1: On this podcast, we love making you feel like you have strong opinions about things you didn't even know you had opinions about. And I think that this episode is going to be something that stirs that up inside of you. But before we get there, we have this episode's tiebreaker slash co-host to introduce coming to us from the American Midwest, the fine state of Illinois. We've got Kyle Reeves. What's going on, Kyle?
0: Hey, guys. It's really nice to be here. Thanks for uh, you know taking the time to put me in on the on the, uh, on the podcast.
1: Yeah, we found that this podcast didn't have enough Kyles on it already, so we wanted to add a third one just to keep everyone on their toes. Um, Which
2: means that in the end, uh, a Kyle will win. Yes.
0: Statistically, we are.
1: (laughs) So, Kyle, what is your relationship with Disney? How has it impacted your life, if at all?
0: Uh, I mean, I grew up in the 90s, so naturally, like any 90s kid, um, Disney, everything. We had all the movies um you know especially with me especially growing up with with the disney sports movies were a big part of my life um you know watching endless times on repeat cool runnings uh mighty ducks trilogy uh remember the titans as we got into the 2000s things like that so those sort of disney movies were the big ones growing up for me but we had all the animated ones as well and disney pixar um big part of my childhood
1: yeah, you know, now that you bring all of those other titles up, I think that a best Disney sports movie bracket is in this podcast's future at some point.
2: Absolutely. It should oh, 1000%. Be. Yeah, for sure.
1: All right, before we go any further, we are going to get into our fan favorite Spoonful of Sugar segment. Kyle Skinner, what have you got on the menu today?
2: All right. So, I opened up the old bar that I have here in my house. And I just started entering uh, ingredients into this Cocktail Builder website. Um, and Chris, they gave me the Bronx Silver Cocktail, oh baby. Uh, which is gin, vermouth, and orange juice. But I'm going to call it the Knuckle Puck because I don't quite know where I'm going to end up.
1: That's good. That's very on theme for this uh, bracket. Kyle Reeves, do you have a spoonful of sugar of any kind with you today
0: maybe a little bit too much um i hit the gym a little earlier i'm usually hitting it around this time of night but making time for this decided to go in uh, earlier and get some um get my workout in. then feeling a little tired so i picked up an energy drink and uh, for a little extra sugar i got some peanut butter m&ms too so rolling those out (laughs)
1: let's go this quite literally the
0: spoonful of sugar (laughs) maybe two it's a big bag (laughs) chris what you got
1: So me and my girlfriend, Julia, last week went to go see Beetlejuice on Broadway. And before, we stopped at our favorite restaurant of all time, Applebee's. And they had a drink menu that I was intrigued by. Lots of fun drinks. And so I recreated one that I found on the menu. And they called it the Tipsy Zombie. It is Bacardi Superior, passion fruit, pineapple, cherry and lime topped with a Midori float, and a gummy brain. I don't have a gummy brain, but I did all that other stuff. And, yeah, it's um, it's pretty intense.
2: Midori, man. It's going to get you every time.
1: I like Midori. I mean, the green drinks are fun. They always taste better. I don't know. A green drink is, is a flavorful drink.
2: Yeah, I love Midori, too, but it just sneaks up on you.
1: Before we get into the bracket, we have a book review. Uh,
2: yes, we do. So, recently, I read... Uh, It's kind of a cute story by Rolly Crump, who was a Disney Imagineer um, and animator uh, for Disney in the early days, essentially in the 50s and on. Um, It's a memoir, so it's just a it's literally what the title is, it's kind of a cute story, except it's many, many, many stories, and he repeats lines like, it's kind of a cute story, that's kind of a funny story, that's that's the, the theme and the structure of the book. Without giving any spoilers away or any sort of give up any of the good stories, this was a really good book to read if you are someone who is a creative, like the three of us are, um, It's a great book if you are into Disney history, which we probably all three are as well. Um, He gives a lot of insight into the inner workings of Imagineering in the early days uh, when Disneyland was first being built, as well as things that he did outside of Disney because he had many different stints at Disney and uh, also ran his own companies and did a lot of freelance work, and it's just really cool and inspiring to see somebody as creative and as as passionate as he is for art and animation and sculpting uh to just continue to drive no matter where he's at and and just work his work his entire life uh it's a it's a great book i highly recommend everybody get uh gets it and reads it if you're a disney fan and uh it gives you gives you everything you want in a book there
1: Yeah, you sent me over a copy in the mail, and I cannot wait to crack it open. The parks were my entry into Disney as a whole. It's the foundation of my love for everything Disney, so I can't wait to hear some awesome stories from Imagineering and get a peek behind the curtain, so to speak.
2: Yeah, and it's also like full of really cool photos that he had in his personal collection that hasn't i hadn't seen in anything that i've ever read or been online and and seen Um, so it's really cool to see stuff from his actual collection of things that he worked on and even concepts that never happened so it's a great book
1: okay thanks kyle so now the moment you've all been waiting for the bracket and this episode's topic is let's cue the drum roll best mighty duck
2: We are hitting the Disney live action sphere. We are going through the Mighty Duck series. Mighty Ducks, D2, Mighty Ducks, D3, Mighty Ducks.
1: And now, this is not necessarily Mighty Duck player. This is anyone who is involved in the Mighty Ducks organization, so to speak. Correct. Kyle Reeves, what's your familiarity level with the Mighty
0: Ducks? Uh, these movies ever since i could first remember watching movies back in the 90s when they had you know the old vhs's with the white clamshell cases uh, i'll never forget uh, always popping open the d2 sticking that one in i remember going and watching d3 in theaters there's videos of me rolling around roller skates in my basement and my parents saying put it in Luis." so this was a huge part of my childhood
1: and Obviously, the question, best Mighty Duck, is pretty open-ended, so, you know, you could interpret that as on the ice, off the ice, but I think the way I'm going to approach it is if I'm drafting a hockey team, if I'm a GM and I'm building a club from the ground up, who are my core people that I'm going to start with, basically? And of course, as always, we had a demographic that we had to ask as well. For this topic, our targeted demographic was people wearing knockoff Disney sports jerseys. I think you probably know what I'm talking about. The people that have the baseball jersey that just has like a Donald on it, and the numbers like double zero Donald Duck, or like the grumpy hockey team that's the New Jersey Devils colors. I've never understood the appeal of those. If you want to wear a sports jersey, just wear a real sports jersey. Don't waste your money on these overpriced weird Disney sports jerseys.
2: I feel roasted right now because when I was probably 12 i owned one of the uh grumpy hockey jerseys and oh no it was Kyle. up until i moved out of my parents house that i rediscovered it and i was like wow this was so great and they still sell them today which i think is bonkers and i wouldn't buy one today but i definitely rocked the hell out of it when i was 12 years old
1: i love sports i love disney combine the two into one what could go wrong
2: exactly exactly
1: So we asked those Disney knockoff sports jersey wearers who the best Mighty Duck is.
2: All right, let's get right to it. It is time to introduce the field of 16 of the best Mighty Duck bracket. We're going to just run right through it because this is a sports team. This is a sports-centered-esque podcast, so not a whole lot of puns this time. Let's hear them. With the number one seed, we have Charlie Conway.
1: Coming in at the number two seed, Adam Banks.
2: Number three between the pipes, Greg Goldberg.
1: Coming in at number four, you can find him behind the bench, Coach Gordon Bombay.
2: At the five seed, it's Jesse
1: Hall. Grabbing the number six seed is number double zero Guy Germain.
2: And number seven, it is Julie the cat Gaffney coming in at number eight Fulton Reed the number nine seed Tammy Duncan
1: coming in at number 10
2: Russ Tyler snagging that number 11 spot it's Connie Moreau and then we've got our number 12 seed Dwayne Robertson number 13 Les Averman
1: coming in at number 14 Dean Portman and
2: at number 15 it's Ken Wu,
1: and coming in at our number 16 seed, Luis Mendoza.
2: This is a pretty stacked uh, bracket of 16 here. Uh, Kyle, any front runners that stick out in your mind right away?
0: Uh, absolutely. Um, talking about specifically on ice skills, I think Adam Banks is uh, going to have a pretty deep run in this uh, in this competition here. Um, of course, Charlie Conway kind of turns into the main character through the course of the trilogy. He's going to be a big player in this. Um, some other big names in here as well. we got some names and, uh, and some pairings that might surprise uh, what what ends up happening with those. But I think overall, you, you pretty much touched on all, of, uh, uh, all different corners of the Duck universe in terms of uh, spanning the three movies.
1: Yeah, there really weren't a whole lot left over after you have our top 16. Really, all you got is Peter Mark, terry hall jesse's brother tommy duncan tammy's brother and dave carp so not a whole lot left off the board and you know those other four were in only one ducks movie so we didn't really know a whole lot about them in the first place carp and peter are kind of antagonists on the team so not really sure they're great teammates or players so I'm cool with them being off the bracket
0: I did want to touch on Dave Carp for a second because I just wanted to say watching the original Mighty Ducks yesterday it was the most fun thing for me watching him and the way that he was committing to cheating for Coach Bombay and how excited <laughs> he was about yelling you know get hurt take the fall act indignant that was really um, that really improved my watch of that movie was seeing his commitment to that so a shout-out to him.
1: Yeah, and of course, he's w- one of the players that overhears Coach Bombay talking about uh, how the Ducks are losers sarcastically to um, Coach Riley. So him and Peter Mark kind of lead the walkout. Um, one fun fact about Terry Hall, I guess, that a lot of people realize, played by Jesse Smollett, who was in the news a couple years ago.
2: Yeah, it's, if you don't know, there's... look it up. Yeah, there's there's quite a few people on here, uh, actors on here, who went on to other things that I didn't even make the connection until uh, after viewing all of these movies.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to get into those as we go through this bracket, because there are so many fun Mighty Ducks facts that I found in doing all of this research and stuff, so I, I'd love to just pepper those in, but... Um, all right, let's get right into it with the number one seed, Charlie Conway, versus the number 16 seed, Luis Mendoza. Kyle Skinner, start us off.
2: All right, well, I'm going to go ahead and start by talking about Luis Mendoza. Um, I love that the Ducks universe brought in a, uh, a Hispanic hockey player. I think it's really important for representation, and I think that he... Uh, he, he played the same exact character that he played in the sandlot other than he had the full package in the sandlot and in the mighty ducks movies uh two and three he just couldn't stop skating he's super fast like benny the jet but he just can't stop uh in this duck universe which i think is adds to that level of comedy that the rest of the ducks players possessed um I think that he he was, he was shows that he's a very good teammate because he's willing to put the humility of not being able to stop aside and work on his game, and that's something that, as, a, as an athlete, it's hard to put, swallow that pride and realize that there's something you need to work on. Obviously, it's a little bit more glaring for a guy who can't stop when he's skating, um, but I think he's, he's a great character. Um, he gets a little creepy in D3. Extreme. Uh, yeah, I, he's not great in D3. Um, he doesn't really contribute much to the movie other than being, like, this girl-crazy creep. Um, number one, Charlie Conway. I mean, he he's the Ducks' captain. He uh, stuck with the team through and through uh, until D3, really, where he threw a fit. He always throws a fit in every movie, but in every movie he comes back for his team. Um, he's a great hockey player Uh, and I, I think that his ability (laughs) to not be creepy, he, he had a love interest in D3, but he wasn't super creepy about it like Luis was. And so I think that, uh, in this matchup, like Charlie's going to move on.
1: Yeah. I think Charlie is a really strong entry in this bracket because he's got solid on ice and solid off ice skills. Not perfect in either case, but, um, I think all in all, he's got a way better profile than Luis Mendoza, who seems like he kind of has one tool. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, Charlie's way more important to the Ducks. So I agree that Charlie advances here over Luis Mendoza. Kyle Reeves, do you have any final thoughts on Luis Mendoza before we ship him off?
0: I was going to say, yeah, Conway's moving on to this one, but in defense of Luis Mendoza, I do think from a, purely hockey perspective watching these movies and watching his performance on the ice uh he has a high motor and he's always getting up and down the ice getting back on defense um so that's the kind of thing that you're looking for in a hockey player he plays a good supporting role uh specifically for a hockey standpoint uh not a bad player just got to learn how to stop he he finishes when he gets to the net so um, good hockey player in his own right, but not going to stand up against Charlie Conway in this competition. All right,
1: let's move right along then to the number eight seed Fulton Reed versus the number nine seed Tammy Duncan. Now, most of you probably know who Fulton Reed is, wears number 44, and has a booming slap shot. Isn't on the Ducks team originally in the first Mighty Ducks movie, but Gordon Bombay finds him when he gets hit by a rogue hockey puck, coming from an alleyway, and he finds this giant, angry kid. um, And he proceeds to be on the Ducks for all three Ducks movies. And then, if you don't know who Tammy Duncan is, she only appears in the first Mighty Ducks movie. She is a figure skater who they put a hockey stick in her hand, which sounds an awful lot like Ken Wu, who is also on this bracket. Um, But Tammy actually scores a pretty clutch goal, when the Ducks are playing the Hawks in the final game of the season. So obviously I think she gets a ton of credit for that. She also profiles a lot like an enforcer. Fulton and Dean Portman are kind of like the obvious enforcers for this Ducks team, but I think it's really unfortunate that Tammy got cut after the first movie because I think Ken Wu kind of took her spot where it's like the figure skater that's kind of an enforcer because he kind of goes down that route as well. And I really wish they would have kept Tammy just, you know, if not just to have another girl on the team. Um, she really was a, a pretty solid hockey player and um, you know, had a really good hockey attitude, you know. Um, I think she definitely could chirp with the best of them. Now, do I think Tammy Duncan is better hockey player than Fulton Reed. You know, if I was redrafting the Ducks, would I take Tammy over Fulton? I don't know. Um, You know, Fulton obviously has the slap shot. Um, He doesn't always hit the net, which is not great. But, you know, when the shot does make it on goal, it usually goes in. I think it was stopped by the Iceland goalie. Once And he had like a bruise on his hand. But for the most part, the puck makes its way in the net. So technically, his shooting percentage is, is pretty good. Um, you know, he's also one of the primary enforcers on the team, like I said. And he's a true defensive defenseman on top of all of that. The Ducks don't really have a solid blue line. And it seems like everyone is kind of like in an ambiguous forward role, except for Fulton Reed. He's always working the point, And I think that makes him extremely valuable to the Ducks. You know, he can provide the defensive defense, and he also can provide the offense for the Ducks. Um, I would love to see him in, like, a Brent Burns role at some point, you know, and, like, skate up. But, um, you know, I think I think Fulton is kind of a core member of this team. And while I think Tammy Duncan's great, unfortunately she's only in the first movie, so we don't really get to see a sense of what she can do totally. So I think I'm going to advance Fulton here.
2: Yeah, I think... Um... Tammy deserves the recognition of playing an integral part in the Ducks win over the Hawks in the first movie. Um, she had no hockey experience, uh, and they essentially just gave her a hockey stick and said, You're on the team. And she was uh, influenced by her little brother, and there she was, scoring a, a clutch goal at the end of the game there. So. She deserves all the recognition, but I think what the Ducks were truly, truly missing before getting Fulton was that uh, that physical player, physical enforcer, somebody that's going to rile the crowd up, someone that's going to rile the other team up, and Fulton Reed does a perfect job at that, and they were missing that, and he gets a partner in that job um, who we'll get to later on, so I agree with you. I'd be moving Fulton
0: Reed on to the next round as well.
1: Kyle Reeves, do you agree with that, Fulton Reed?
0: Yes, I would agree. When I look at these two uh, characters stacked up against each other, like you guys said, Tammy was uh, a terrific piece in in D1 and uh, probably should have been able to move on to D2 uh, and be a part of the Goodwill team. Um, But when I look at the two of them as as players, she was more of a role player, whereas uh, Fulton Reed, uh, with his capabilities both uh, as an intimidator, as an enforcer, and uh, with his shot... um, that's really a core piece that you need. That's really an anchor for that uh, entire team throughout all three movies. Um, So yeah, Fulton Reed uh, would be the person I would select moving on.
2: All right, we are moving right along through this bracket. We are heading to number four, Coach Gordon Bombay versus Les Averman. All right, Gordon was never actually wanting to be the coach of the Ducks had it not been for a DUI incident that put him in that position. Uh, it was his community service for driving under the influence. Um, and he grew to love the team. He was a, a junior hockey player himself who was really trying to uh, re- avenge himself from a past failure when he was younger, when he missed a shootout shot that lost hit the Hawks a game. Uh, championship game so at the same time as he wants these kids to succeed it's really a victory story for Gordon in the first movie um, which adds a little bit of selfishness to, to his character Les Everman is a goofball of the of the Mighty Ducks. In the first movie he plays this kind of like uh, sports announcer role where he wants to announce everything that's happening um, and add little quips and, and funny jokes and I thought that was hilarious I think that it's important to have that one person like kind of class clown on the team and he really fills that role he's also a pretty great hockey player Uh, he puts the puck in the net he was a part of the original flying V which is now world known across all universes of movie watchers they know exactly what you're talking about when you say the flying V I think that his I, I just like less more I don't think that just because Gordon's the coach and helped lead this team and inspire them, I think that there would be an inspiring adult um, that didn't have to be the result of a DUI doesn't set a great standard for anybody else. So I'm going to move less Averman on in this round.
1: So I'm glad you brought up all the DUI stuff with Bombay. If we can take a break from this bracket for a second, I have a fun Gordon Bombay fact. Um, When this movie was originally written, Gordon Bombay was supposed to be an ex-NHL player who became an alcoholic and was out to get revenge on his old peewee hockey coach. So that's not entirely how the story ended up and they added the lawyer element and the DUI element to make it a little bit less dark. But they left the character's name. And if you know anything about alcohol, you might know that Gordon's and Bombay are both popular brands of gin. Never made that connection. Hence the alcoholic. So (laughs) maybe next time you watch the Ducks, you'll see that character in a little bit of a different light. But yeah, uh, it's tough because, you know, without Bombay, the Ducks wouldn't be the Ducks. There would be no Ducks. They'd still be District 5 skating on a pond somewhere, being terrible at hockey, right? Right. It is hard for me to be sympathetic for Bombay through a lot of the decisions that he makes throughout the Ducks movies. He's not a very likable guy, not a very likable coach. Um, Really, the only time I like Bombay is in the first movie when he's telling Charlie to, you know, take the shootout shot and might go in, might not, but like, you know, we're here for you kind of saying what his dad said to him and what Coach Riley never said to him, right? So I do like Bombay in that moment, but, you know, short of getting the Ducks going, I'm not sure he's very valuable to the team. Like you said, Averman's a great personality, good locker room presence, not a terrible hockey player, not a great hockey player, probably profiles as a fourth liner who's going to chip in, you know, sparingly hopefully the thing is i think he kind of was supposed to be written as this like nerd character for some reason and when i think about him and i think about that in my mind he's not very good at hockey but if you go and watch the movies he's he's fine at hockey you know if i'm taking everything into consideration who do i think is more valuable to the ducks long term I, I think I would agree that it's it's Averman. So I think I'm gonna advance Averman over Coach Bombay.
0: Look well, at that in upset, an upset going on.
1: Kyle Reeves, what do you think about that upset?
0: I really like that you guys took the decision out of my hands because the duck lover in me was gonna have a hard time moving Gordon on. But watching Averman progress as a hockey player from where they start in D one to where they are at the end of D three is really uh, quite a transition. I mean, when you first meet him, like you said, he's the, the kid skating around, talking about the players skating around the ice and uh, when they're out on the pond. Uh, but as he watched throughout the rest of the movies, like uh, he, he's part of the original Flying V. He's the first one, when they're passing the eggs, to be able to pass one without breaking it. Um, I mean, he really takes big steps forward uh, throughout the entire trilogy, and he turns himself into a pretty solid hockey player, especially uh, in terms of... Uh, Finding the open man and getting in on assists as well. Um, really sticking out to me is in the third movie uh, when he's bearing down on the goalie of the Blake Bears and uh, literally makes the goalie get dizzy because he is moving his stick so fast and sets up Charlie for a goal that way. That's that's a pretty valuable skill that you need to have on your uh, on your ice. So I was glad to see that you guys were uh, ready to move him forward. Uh, Dude, also wanted hands. to add. Also wanted to add for Bombay. Um, D3 is definitely not his movie. It's Charlie's movie. Um, but his lawyer scene uh, is one of my favorites in the entire movie. I really loved how they were able to bring uh, his lawyer roots back from D1 and and bring it full circle in D3 to, to fight back for the scholarships. That was, a, um, that was a really great scene.
1: Yeah, I know we're not talking about these movies on their own right now, but I always didn't really buy the fact that he just became like a professional peewee hockey coach kind of weird
2: right yeah no that was always weird
1: so I agree that the lawyer thing was cool so let's move down to number five seed Jesse Hall versus number 12 Dwayne Robertson Dwayne is a really memorable character just because he's like extremely stereotype Texan guy he like wears a cowboy hat and brings a lasso to hockey practice he seems to be a extremely likable player and all the teammates seem to like him a lot um but and he's a great puck handler that's kind of like his thing uh he's like a crazy texan yeehaw do crazy cool texan things with the puck um but he's up against jesse hall here and jesse is the point of the flying v he leads the v and i think it's a crime that he doesn't make it to eden hall in d3 if i could say one bad thing about jesse it would be that he's a little bit confrontational he's kind of one of the guys that doesn't like that adam banks becomes a member of the ducks so i don't know that he's like the best locker room presence the best teammate but he's a really good hockey player and i he might be the second best player on the team behind adam banks do i take him over Dwayne robertson I think Robertson definitely has a flashier skill set, but I think I think Jesse is a true second line center, probably if not first line center. Uh, if Adam Banks was going to play on one of the wings, but I think wing I think Banks plays center too. So I think I'd probably take Jesse Hall. So I'm I'm advancing Jesse over over Dwayne.
2: Yeah, I was going to do the same thing. Uh, Sorry to not give you a job yet here, Kyle, but uh, I think that his confrontation, his confrontational uh, personality is something more of passion than just pure, uh, pure confrontation. I think that he cares about his team and his teammates and doesn't want them to be misled or them to let in somebody from the outside that might be trying to sabotage so he's he's more skeptical than he is uh anything else and I think that's that's completely fair um I also think that uh Dwayne Robinson like he's probably the best uh puck handler on the team like the the dude's absolutely incredible but I think when it comes to being a the most well-rounded player it's going to be Jesse Hall and that's why I'm going to move him on Um, Kyle, who do you have moving on?
0: Jesse, for sure. Um, To speak a little bit to Dwayne first, um, one of the things that I noted while I was watching the movies over again is I have never in my life seen an athlete on any kind of team that off the field of play or off the ice in this case, he is the greatest teammate of all time, even to the effect of skating down an Iceland player who's about to check connie moreau into next week and lassoing him uh he is the most (laughs) loyal teammate that you could ever want to have i think and then the second he jumps on the ice a switch just goes off in his head and he decides he's the show and he's going to stick handle himself and more times than not most of the time actually it really comes back to bite him uh he ends up taking it a little bit too far uh, and losing the puck and giving up a goal almost every single time. The only time it works out for them is when they run the uh, the, the alley oop, as it was in um, in the third or in the third period against Iceland. Um, so that was something that struck me for sure about Dwayne Robinson was the stark difference in between who he was on the ice versus off the ice. Um, but to speak to Jesse Hall, uh, when you first when you first meet them, uh, skating on the ice or on the lake. Um, He's really the one that that drives the conversation when Gordon gets out. When uh, when you're not looking at this through the lens of all three movies, um, he has as much, if not even more, leadership uh, qualities about him. At least with with the rest of the ducks, um, than Charlie does. I would say uh, he's the one that leads the walkout when they don't want Adam Banks to join. He's the one that confronts with Gordon Bombay as well as the fact that he has probably like you guys mentioned the best uh, on ice skills uh, until Adam Banks comes around as well he is um, you know when he's the first duck to score a goal uh, when Gordon takes over he leads the point in the flying V he has um, a really high motor run around the ice watching the movies you see him everywhere on the ice he's not afraid to get back and play defense Uh, he's really a terrific all-around hockey player uh, and It was sad to see him not move on to D3. Um, Don't know what happened with that because I think his (laughs) hockey career would have really taken off there as well. Uh, But moving him forward is the only decision.
2: Yep, I completely agree. I think that uh, we made the right decision there. Moving across the bracket, we have the number two, Adam Banks versus 15, Ken Wu. Um, As we've brought up a couple of times here in our discussions already, Adam Banks is probably the best Hockey player on the Ducks. Um, What's interesting is that he only really spends one. He he never really spends an entire full season on the Ducks in any of the movies. He uh, starts out on the Hawks in the first movie. Uh, Turns out that they were gerrymandering the areas of the where the kids lived, and he was playing for the wrong team all along. So he came over to the Ducks. He gets hurt partway through in D two. And he starts off on the varsity team in D3. So he's never really fully on the Ducks. Um, Ken Wu shows up in D2. Uh, just like Tammy, he was a figure skater. Um, plays a big part in the win versus Iceland by pulling off an incredible move to distract the players. Um, he also like tries to pull that move earlier on and it gets completely destroyed, but isn't afraid to try it again. And I really really respect that about him um I think that at the end of the day though like the resilience of Adam to want to stay a part of the Ducks and even though like uh Jesse Hall doesn't really like him or think that he's part of the team at the beginning and even though he's hurt and wants to fight through it and contribute for his team and even though he's on varsity like he's still cheering for his guys like he's a he's a duck through and through and Ken Wu is uh, more. He's used as more of a uh, situational player throughout the movies, and so I think that I'm moving uh, number two, Adam Banks, on in this one.
1: Yep, everything you said is a hundred percent accurate. I agree on all of it. I also would like to note that he scores the go-ahead shootout goal against Iceland in D two yep. um, before the day is saved by the player that we are going to talk about next so next round we have number seven julie the cat gaffney versus number 10 russ tyler now russ played by keenan thompson i'm sure everyone realizes that at this point it looks like he hasn't changed a bit probably (laughs) the person who achieved the most success out of anyone in this film even emilio estevez um Tyler shows up in D2, he's got the knuckle puck, um, and he is integral in kind of lighting the fire underneath the Team USA. The thing that I don't like about Russ is his skill set is very limited to the knuckle puck. Um, Especially in D2, they really only deploy him in like a trick play type maneuver that I just don't really think works after, you know, a team sees it one time. Um, And he does go to Eden Hall in D3 and play on the junior varsity team, but I don't really remember him doing much at all on the ice at Eden Hall. You know, Julie the Cat gets the shootout winning save um, and she becomes the first string goalie on the depth chart in D3. She's clearly the better goalie. She should have been the starting goalie for the entire length of the Goodwill games. Goldberg's terrible. We'll talk about him later. But <laughs> Julie the Cat, incredible athlete, great keeper. And also, she keeps her cool on and off the ice. She goes into Bombay's office at one point D2 and says, I want to play. I came from Maine to show the world what I can do. And Bombay's like, you will show the world. I promise. And like still continues to keep her on the bench and puts her in for one shootout save. Like, really dude, can you not see how good she is at hockey? But <laughs> clearly he's in the wrong, but she knows what it means to be, you know, an athlete on someone else's team. And you just kind of have to be like, all right, that's it. Okay. That's fine. I'll be patient. And she is, she's rewarded in D3 by being the starting goal contender. Um, um, obviously, I'm going to advance her over Russ Tyler.
2: Uh, yeah, y- yet again, I don't have a disagreement here. I was going to move Julie on as well, and I think that she's the far superior goaltender. She wanted the spot. She sacrificed uh, playing a season back home for this team, which says a lot. Um, when she needed to be leaned on most, she came through, and I think that's just all about being a duck right there. So
0: I'm also moving Julie on. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Uh, Julie's clearly the one that needs to move on in this competition. Uh, all that being said, Russ Tyler needs to have a spinoff because the ride that he goes on from being a kid in Los Angeles playing hockey on roller skates in a basketball court to getting a full ride and after winning you know, a gold medal, after walking on to the team, that is, a, that is an incredible story. Uh, and Russ Tyler needs to be recognized for that. Julie the Cat is... Are superior though, in just about every other regard. Uh, so she's the one that's moving on here, and she's an A student.
2: Yeah, I would a thousand percent watch a Russ Tyler origin story movie um, because even his squad, like his whole squad, could have been the gold winning team, gold medal winning team if they really wanted to. Like they were good, you know? So um, I completely agree. That would be
0: a great spin off movie. One of the greatest scenes in the entire trilogy is the street street hockey scene absolutely
1: one thing i know like i said we're not talking about these movies exactly but i agree with that if especially if you go back and look at how it's shot it's shot like a spike lee movie where all the angles are kind of like low angles like tilted a little bit very interesting i don't know if that was just like a mid-90s thing but it's it's pretty cool
2: yeah
0: very memorable
2: All right, moving right down to the guy that we just uh, took a dump on. It's Greg Goldberg at number three versus number 14, Dean Portman. Uh, We talked a little bit about Greg already. We know that he's the uh, number one goalie uh, before Julie takes over. Uh, Dean Portman, he is the second half of the Bash Brothers. Um, He is the enforcer right alongside Fulton Reed. Um, He's a lot less hockey and a lot more enforcer. Um, he is really just there to rile people up. He gets tossed out of a game at one point. Um, he's he's there to make hits, not plays, really. Um, Greg, he's a awful goalie who gets pretty lucky for most of the time. Um, he's a great teammate. He's he's one of those like fun locker room guys who uh, who can take punches as far as jokes, but also dish them, which I really like. Um he when he's demoted to the second string goalie, uh, he does try and sabotage Julie, which I didn't really appreciate, but when he was moved on to defense, uh, he d- played his part. He did what he needed to do on the defensive end. Um, I think that Dean's lack of like we don't really get a ton of character development out of Dean other than he's he's just this big jock of a dude who can skate and therefore he's on the hockey team. Um, So just by default of hockey ability alone, I'm moving Greg on to the next round.
1: So before we get into my decision, I have a couple of fun facts on both of these players slash actors who portrayed them. Love it. Some sad news about Sean Weiss, the Uh actor who played Greg Goldberg in 2018. He was arrested for erratic behavior in Oroville, California and checked himself into rehab shortly after Uh so we hope sean is doing well these days and the actor who played dean portman aaron lore appeared in the movie version of rent in 2005 he played the part of steve where he (laughs) met adina manzel who played the part (laughs) of maureen and the two Um. married in 2017 what? Yes, and all of you out there should know Idina Menzel is the voice of Elsa in Frozen and Frozen uh, 2.
2: We've gone full circle within two episodes.
1: Okay, there's more. Oh, gosh. Aaron Lohr, the actor who plays Dean Portman, also provided this singing voice for Max in a Goofy movie. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs>
2: That's incredible.
1: So random. And that movie oh, was gosh. produced in between D2 and D3.
2: Look at this guy, getting that money.
1: Aaron Lore. I had no idea.
2: Is he uh, slated to be in Fresno 2 by any chance?
1: I guess we're going to find out. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, oh, man. But I digress. All that being said, yeah, Greg Goldberg's a terrible goalie. I disagree that he's a good locker room personality. He kind of complains. He's very um, entitled. He comes to Eden Hall Academy in terrible shape, hadn't practiced in like months, Um, he got demoted and ended up on the blue line and not in net, not even as a backup goalie. I don't know how that works, but um, (laughs) yeah, Greg Goldberg basically should have lost his spot on the team. And for that reason alone, I'm advancing Dean Portman, even though Portman is in Gordon Bombay's words, a goon. I would rather have a goon on my team than a cancer like Greg Goldberg and someone who is not going to take that role seriously, not going to take his job as the starting goaltender seriously. I don't want anything to do with Greg Goldberg if I'm redrafting this Ducks team. Which means. Harsh,
2: harsh words.
1: Hey, I'm not pulling any punches on Goldberg. So, Here we go. Kyle Reeves, for the first time this episode. You are going to have to do the tiebreaker. Dean Portman or Greg Goldberg?
0: So much power. Um, yeah, the knocks on Goldberg, they are real. Um, you know, even from the very first scene where you see the guy, he's saying, Hey, coach, I might be moving back to Philly soon. So you don't know if this guy's ever going to be around. I mean, uh, he looks like the kind of guy that. Uh, only came and started playing hockey because his friends said, hey, we're going to go play hockey. And he said, okay, I don't want to do anything. So they said, go stay in net. And that's kind of where he stayed forever uh, until Coach Orion decided he was bad in net and moved him away. Um, he's not that great of a teammate. During warm-ups before the first Iceland game, he's off uh, interviewing uh, Averman, not even getting ready for the game. Um, and... Of course, as you mentioned, moving on into D3, uh, he pretty much straight up tells Coach Orion, I don't practice. Um, when it comes down to uh, either raising his game um, to to get his starting position back in D3, he decides, no, I'm not going to get better, and no, I'm not going to help Julie get better. I'm going to help her get worse. That is a bad teammate. Uh, on the other hand, um, with Portman, the second he comes in, um he's very confrontational with all of the original ducks he seems to be very much tribal with his with his his new um the other people the ringers more or less that were brought in in d2 um but from the first second he gets on the ice in the game you can tell that he brings immediate energy to the ducks he's not afraid of anybody he has a sneaky quick wrist shot um and he would be my pick to move on uh he brings the fire to that team and um Greg Goldberg frankly, the games they win when he's in net are in spite of him he doesn't make very many saves throughout the entire trilogy um so yeah dean portman's my pick
1: i'm so glad you used that word fire because that was exactly the word that i wrote down when i was um, trying to profile dean portman in my notes He provides some positive fire to the team all right so it looks like we are advancing portman over greg goldberg in the upset sorry goldie Moving on to our final round of 16 matchup. We have number six, Guy Germain versus number 11, Connie Moreau. Now, I think that Guy Germain is perhaps the most underrated player on the Ducks. He doesn't really get a whole lot of screen time. And, you know, he never scores those, like, crazy, flashy goals or extremely clutch goals. But if you remember... At the end of the first Ducks movie, when they're trying to decide who should take the penalty shot to win the game against the Hawks, the entire team says, Guy should take it. Guy should take it. Guy should take it. So clearly, he is a very good player, right? And his teammates see it that way. He's in all three Ducks movies, um, which helps his case a lot. And... In my opinion, he kind of serves as like, you know, like the smart kid, the cool guy. Um, He's got a romantic relationship with the person he's up against, Connie Moreau. Little fun fact about the actor who plays Guy Germain. He is actually brothers with the actor who plays Fulton Reed.
2: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, they dyed the hair on the actor that played Fulton to be black so that... They wouldn't look like they were related as much, but if you go back and watch those movies, there's a scene when they drive the Zamboni through the glass in D2, and you can yeah. you can pretty much tell that they're related. A little tidbit, main fun fact for you. Yeah, that's um, funny. yeah, I think he's a super uh, underappreciated player. And then on the other hand, you got Connie, played by Marguerite Moreau, who you probably recognize, hopefully, from all the Wet Hot American Summer movies and TV shows and that stuff, so she had a nice little career after the Ducks movies. Yeah, she serves as kind of the Ducks social core, in my opinion. Um, You know, she's hanging out with them when they're all rollerblading at the beginning of D2. Um, Obviously, she's with Guy Germain. You might remember in D1, when Bombay shows up in the limo, she's really the first player to take initiative and go introduce herself to Bombay, kind of showing that You know, there's a bridge that could be created between the coach and the new team. She's sitting in the center of the limousine when they all hop in um, at the end of that first practice. She also is kind of the one that encourages everyone to start quacking when Bombay starts the very first quack, 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 quack. So it's clear that everyone kind of looks to Connie as, um, you know, kind of a leader of sorts. You know, obviously, I don't think she's as good of a hockey player as Guy Germain, but, you know, she's fine. She's probably a second or third line winger, um, whereas Guy is probably a first line winger or maybe a second line winger. Um, But, you know, a hockey team needs balance. And I think that it really needs a player like Connie Moreau, who can bring leadership and work ethic to a locker room, to a team. If I was in charge of assigning captaincy to this team, I would 100% give Connie Moreau at least an alternate captain role. So for that reason, I think I will take Connie Moreau over Guy Germain in the upset.
2: I was going to do the same thing, and I'm not going to spend too much time on this because I think I would personally give Connie the the captain's. She's the... She's the heartbeat of this team, and while she may not be the best uh, player on the ice, she's definitely the most uh, well-rounded locker room teammate that there is. She stands up for her teammates. Uh, She stands up for herself. She's welcoming of new tactics and new ideas and new people um, and takes them in as her own and as the team's own, and I think she's the heartbeat of the team, so
0: absolutely I'm moving her on as well.
1: Kyle Reeves, what do you think of that?
0: I like the decision. Um, The very first thing you ever see or hear about her, she obviously has a reputation that precedes her because you hear uh, Averman call her the Velvet Hammer, and that's not a nickname that you get just out of nowhere. Clearly, before uh, D5 became the Ducks, she she had a presence on the ice. Um, I've also noticed that Bombay really likes to put her on the ice in big moments, uh, both in D1 and D2. Uh, as the games are coming down to a close, you can find her on the ice, uh, making some sort of play, specifically in the championship in D2 when they come out uh, wearing the Duck jerseys. Uh, We Will Rock You is playing, and who steps in and absolutely buries the goal that's the turning point in the game, it's Connie Moreau. Um, So I'm really glad to see her moving on here, even though Guy is a terrific player in his own right um, and solid all-around hockey player. I think Connie is very much uh, as important um, to the Ducks as anybody else in those uniforms.
2: All right, that leaves us with our elite eight matchups. We are going to go ahead and start with the number one, Charlie Conway, versus number eight, Fulton Reed. Um, I think here is we're going to start really nitpicking everybody as this goes forward because we have some pretty tough matchups here. Uh, not the least of them is here at the at the first matchup. Uh, one thing that really bugs me about Charlie is how much he wants to be a leader but then gets frustrated and ends up like wanting to quit everything. Um I feel like that sets a bad example as a captain. Um I think that it it the the movie's obviously needed to have some sort of uh, uh character who was going through something because you 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 needed that focal point uh, within these movies, and he was just that. But um, he, in the times that the teams needed him and he just gave up, like in D3 where he just full-on quit when they needed somebody uh, to really lead them and have common ground between them and and Coach Orion, uh, he wasn't there for them. And the same goes for Fulton. I mean, he also left with Charlie... Um, but that was more because Fulton didn't feel like he wanted to play hockey anymore, which you you can't force something if, you're, if your heart's not in it. Um, but I think that uh, who do I need around the team and who do I think that the team uh, rallies behind the most? Um, I would be drafting Charlie Conway all the way. Um, I think that everyone respects him in that locker room. Um, I think that people respect Fulton, but not in a leadership way. Um, and I think that's incredibly important and I'm moving Charlie Conway onto the final four.
1: Okay. Well, before I give mine, I do have a Charlie Conway fun fact for you. First of all, a fun fact I stumbled across on my own. If you watch the movie on HBO, Charlie Conway is listed as Charlie Conroy in the credits. (laughs) Charlie Conway Uh, was played by Joshua Jackson, who won the role. Over Leonardo DiCaprio. Really? Yeah. I'm happy Josh Jackson got it just so that he has something. You know, (laughs) Leo doesn't need it. He's fine without it. It's cool. So, I digress. Let's talk about these players. Something that a lot of people forget. um, A character trait that was lost literally like the second after they said it in D1. Charlie Conway's nickname is Spazway. (laughs) <laughs> because of how he chokes in big moments. Right. They say that in the very beginning, not the very beginning of the movie, but early on in the first Ducks movie. And, like, it is just, like, never referenced again. Even the fact that he scored this, you know, clutch penalty shot goal kind of explains that he isn't Spazway anymore. He's a clutch player. They don't really, like, explicitly say, like, you did it. Like, you're not a spaz anymore. Like, you did it. You finally came through in the clutch or whatever. Because, I don't know, it was just, like, so obvious he was going to make it because that movie felt so much more like a victory for Bombay than it did a victory for Charlie. You know, I just don't think he's a really good hockey player, you know? And I think he always gets the reputation of being a leader on the team. When Fulton is just as much of a leader as Charlie. I know earlier in this episode, I said that there would be no Ducks without Bombay. There would be no Ducks without Fulton because he was the first guy in that room that said, I'll be a Duck. And he went and he grabbed the jersey. I mean, he is the one that led that whole thing. So for that, we got to give Fulton a lot of credit. When the team walked out on Bombay, two players made it onto the ice. Charlie, And Fulton. Everyone remembers that Charlie was there, but no one really remembers that Fulton was there too. You know, Charlie walks out of Eden Hall. Fulton walks out of Eden Hall too. Charlie's an extremely loyal guy. He's a good leader. Yeah, he's got the accuracy problems with the shot, but like I said, he's the best defenseman on the team. I'm going with Fulton Reed here in the upset, which means we're going to give it to Kyle Reeves. You got Charlie Conway versus Fulton Reed. Who's going to the final four?
0: This might be telling, but I was very upset when I saw Charlie was the one seed coming into this because of all the problems that you've spent the last couple minutes laying out. Um, oh on ice, he's not really that great of a player until the game against the Blake Bears. Um, even, even into D2, uh, when they're playing Iceland the first time around, uh, he has a breakaway, and he completely whiffs on the puck and ends up sliding into the net. Um, so he really hasn't completely ditched that Spazway uh, moniker until uh, we get into D3. Uh, his his behavior's a bit erratic, um, and frankly, we wouldn't even be talking about this if Coach O'Ryan had just decided to not say uh, no. You can if he decided to say no, you can't come back to this team. Um, so I agree. Uh, Fulton uh, would be my pick. He is he's a duck through and through. Um, and the fact that he leaves with Charlie in D3, I'm not going to hold that against him the same way I hold it against Charlie because at that point, Fulton was sticking up for his buddy. He And when he realized that Charlie was bringing him down, then Fulton realized, okay, I need to get back to worrying about myself uh, and worrying about the team. So, in my opinion, it's going to be Fulton in this one. He's moving on.
1: Let's go. Fulton Reed. The Zdeno Chara of the Mighty Ducks.
2: Oh man! All right, heading across. What we got?
1: Next up, we've got number thirteen, Les Averman, versus number five, Jesse Hall. We kind of talked about both of these players in depth already. Averman makes it through all three Ducks movies. Hall makes it through just two. At the end of the day, who do I want on my team more? I think it's gonna be Jesse Hall, just for all of those traits that we talked about earlier. He leads the flying V. He's a great player. I don't think the fact that he's not in the third movie hurts his stock at all. You know, maybe we can talk about the off-ice stuff a little bit later. I don't think it's as bad as maybe we all think that it is, but um, I definitely think Averman is kind of one of those guys who would become a unrestricted free agent on a team every two years or so and would just keep bouncing in between third and fourth lines throughout the league um but hall's someone you want to lock up long term i wish that they did because you know the junior varsity might have beat the varsity in the illegal scrimmage that they had if they had jesse hall on the team and they might not have been pushed around as much either so going with number five jesse hall over averman
2: i'm uh, also gonna move jesse hall along i think that he's the more important player uh to the team when you match him up against Les, and for and all the reasons that you stated I think are correct, and so not going to spend a whole lot of time on there. I think Jesse's moving on to the uh, final four there. Across we go, we have number two Adam Banks versus number seven Julie the Cat Gaffney. I think that uh, Adam Banks is one of the more skilled players on the ice, but he's... Is he a duck? Is he a mighty duck? He... Is like I said earlier, only partially on the team in all of the movies, Um and it, what's really telling is how <laughs> he he was willing. He's one. He succeeded with this team for two movies now, and in the third one, when he gets put on Varsity, um, he chooses Varsity with the with all the goons over his team that he's always won with, and. I don't know if I like that individualism out of a uh, out of a duck. Uh, Julie speaks up for herself. Um, she could have spoken up a little bit more, I think, and really fought for that number one goaltender spot. Um, but this was also the 90s, and she was never gonna <laughs> never gonna do that, unfortunately. Um, she's an incredibly skilled goalie. Left the other team for the Ducks. Is a duck through and through. I'd be moving Julie on in this. Uh, this part of the bracket, to the final four.
1: All right, so I got a problem with this here. You say that Adam Banks was never really a duck. You could make the same argument about Julie the Cat because she was hardly even a duck in the second Ducks movie. She was in it for one save, right? Sure,
2: but she was always on the team. She was always on the team.
1: Yeah, so Adam Banks was always on the team in the second movie too. So you can't hold that one against him. All right. It wasn't his decision to be on the varsity team. It wasn't if his spread, decision to like prank the junior varsity ducks. What would you, you have done in that situation? Out he's li- he's the, literally a high school freshman. If you freshman. spread he's out like- the
2: timeline, Adam Banks has played essentially what one and a half full seasons with the Ducks. I mean, Adam Banks was on the team. Yeah, but and he, Julie, he, the
1: cat has played one season plus one save with the n- Ducks?
2: No, she played two seasons. If you're Just because she sat on the bench, just like Adam Banks, like if you're going to give Adam Banks that bench-sitting season, then you can give Julie that one as well. Uh,
1: okay, injuries do not count either. He right? had to sit on the bench because he was hurt. Okay.
2: The incompetence of the coach is not to be held against Julie.
1: Here's the thing. All right, so you brought up the off-ice thing where they're in the restaurant in D3 and the varsity pranks the JV and Adam Banks goes with him. He was a 13-year-old kid in that movie. And these other kids are 18-year-old grown men. If I was him, I would probably not be able to stand up for myself either. I don't think I'm going to hold that against him at all. I don't think that makes him a bad teammate. And to be fair, they had already... Cryo froze all of Banks' clothes or whatever that was, liquid nitrogen his clothes. So, you know, they JV Ducks weren't entirely innocent either in that situation.
2: Julie I never the Cat, thought they were.
1: Julie the Cat, great goalie, great presence. But if we're talking about players who are irreplaceable, Adam Banks is a generational talent. Adam Banks is a perennial all-star. Adam Banks is a future Hall of Famer. All right. This is a dude who you want to lock up for like eight years. Julie the cat. I'll give her a four-year deal. I'll give her a four-year, <laughs> d- four-year deal, and she might even what? win a Vesna trophy in there. But she's not the type of insane talent that that just can't be replaced. And Adam Banks. She is came that off guy. the
2: bench, ice cold, ice cold. Didn't see a shot. Came off the bench against the world's greatest junior team, stone cold. Yeah, and Adam right Banks
1: set a Hawks scoring record with the Hawks. Erase it. It should be no surprise to you that I'm advancing Adam Banks here. I think he's irreplaceable. I think he's crucial to the foundation of the Ducks. I think uh. I think he's he's a player that I just can't pass up if I'm redrafting the Ducks. I'm not I'm not passing up Adam Banks. So, it's going to go to Kyle Reeves. Adam Banks versus Julie the Cat.
0: I think this is the hardest pairing in the entire thing because there's points to be made about both of them. Um, Yes, Adam Banks has all of the skills that you could ever ask for in a player. Um, But when I watch the movies, I think, does this guy, is he always completely 100% focused on playing good fundamental hockey or is he always focused on putting on a good uh showing in d2 he remarks um you know he he looks up and he's talking to charlie about scouts is this a is this the kind of guy that's going to be worried about how people are perceiving him if you are to take him with your first pick if you're to make him the face of your franchise um or is he going to crumble under those uh under those expectations um on the other hand we have julie who, as you guys mentioned, um, criminally gets held on the bench uh, during all of D2, comes off cold, and um, stops who was, in my opinion, the greatest hockey player in the trilogy of the Mighty Ducks, which is Gunnar Stahl. She stops him cold. um, And she also comes up huge in the JV Varsity Showdown, completely shutting them out. Um, Players that are older than her and that are much more skilled than any of the other five ducks that could be put on the ice, uh, and she's standing on her head the entire game. Um, so that makes it a very hard decision to make because there's pros for both both people, um, but I really think the pros of Adam Banks uh, moves him on because he has the skills, and uh, that's just not what you can pass up when you're when you're looking to take somebody with the very first pick you got to take the best available.
2: Julie, Julie, Julie's getting robbed both in the movies, in life, and on this bracket. Unreal. Absolutely unreal. The
1: tiebreaker has spoken. All right. So we'll go on to our final Elite Eight matchup, our final matchup of this episode. We've got number 14, The Goon, Dean Portman, versus the number 11 seed, Connie Moreau. Now – Dean Portman kind of got by the skin of his teeth in the last pair against Greg Goldberg. I think he benefited from Goldberg being absolutely terrible. Connie took down a really good hockey player in Guy Germain. I don't think there's a whole lot more to say about Connie Moreau that hasn't been said, but Dean Portman's definitely more of a role player on the team. Definitely someone that you could probably replace. Going to be a good source of hits. Might chip in a goal here or there. Going to be a guy that you want to put in to throw the gloves down once in a while just to get your team a little bit fired up. But he's probably not going to clock a whole lot of ice time every game. Connie, I think, is someone who's definitely going to be valuable to your team. Like I said, going to be in the conversation for team captain. I'm easily advancing Connie over Dean Portman into the Final Four here.
2: Yep, I uh, I didn't advance Dean Portman here. Uh, I sh- if I said that Connie was the heartbeat of the team, sure as hell not going to advance Dean past that. So I am also going to be moving Connie right on to the final four, which means we have our final four set. We've got number eight, Fulton Reed, versus number five, Jesse Hall, over on the left-hand side of the bracket. And on the other side, we have number two, Adam Banks versus number 11, Connie Moreau. Kyle, we're locked in. What do you think of this final four? I
0: think that is a terrific final four. Um, all four of these play pivotal roles um, in each of the movies, not necessarily with Jesse Holland D3, but um, the rest of them are all very vital, uh, have big roles in the movies that they're all in. Um both on the ice and off the ice. So I think this is a strong final four, and I think it's about the best we could have asked for coming out of these pairings.
1: All righty. Well, folks, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Mouse Madness. Thank you to Kyle Reeves for joining us. Hopefully, see you next episode. As always, reach out to us on Twitter and play along at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email with all of your Mighty Ducks takes or any Disney takes for that matter at mouse at gmail.com. Until next time, quack, 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 quack. Quack.
2: Quack. 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 Wow, that was great, guys. Good job. (laughs) It's going to sound great.